Welcome to episode two of the Inner Healing Intelligence podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about mindfulness. We're going to talk about what mindfulness really means and why it is a crucial first step in learning how to listen to and trust your inner healing intelligence. Stay tuned. Welcome everyone. My name is Dr. Lori Little, and I'm a clinical psychologist, mindfulness coach, psychedelic therapist, wife, and mom. My passion is helping people learn to listen to and trust their inner healing intelligence, that part of us that is always moving towards health and growth. Ultimately, when we allow our inner healing intelligence to be our guide, We can stop looking outside of ourselves for answers. We can experience more joy, more peace, and more connection with others than we may have ever thought possible. Although it may sound simple, it is by no means easy. Join me as we discuss the many challenges and opportunities that listening to your inner healing intelligence can bring to your life. Hello everyone, so glad you are back here today with me. And today we're going to be talking about mindfulness and its relationship to our inner healing intelligence. If you joined me for our very first episode, you heard me define what inner healing intelligence is and how learning some mindfulness skills is really a prerequisite for being able to listen to and trust your inner healing intelligence. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what mindfulness is. So what exactly do I mean when I say mindfulness? A lot of people teach mindfulness skills, and mostly that's because we have learned over the last several decades how important mindfulness is to improving our mental health and our well-being. There are many ways that people define mindfulness, but for our purposes, I'm really going to be using the terms mindfulness and observing and noticing interchangeably. All of those are different ways of saying essentially the same thing. At its very simplest form, that's really what mindfulness is. It's just learning how to be more observant, how to be more aware, and particularly to notice without judgment. And so this without judgment part is probably the biggest challenge to being mindful Because when we think about it, humans are prone to being very judgmental. Although many of us might like to think that we are not judgmental people, there really is an evolutionarily adaptive reason for having the ability to judge. So think about it. Judging keeps us safe. If I judge this place or this food or this person as dangerous to me, then I am more likely to avoid it or at least be extra careful when engaging with it. So being non-judgmental seems counter to how our human brains are made. And I think that's why it is so difficult. 
When we are practicing mindfulness, we are practicing our skills of observation and we're making a concerted effort to notice exactly what is. So we're trying really hard not to add a label of good or bad or any kind of judgment associated with it at all. Mindfulness is noticing what is exactly as it is. And this requires us to take away our assumptions or our preconceived beliefs or notions that we might have of something and just look at it exactly as it presents itself. And like many of the things I'll be talking about on the surface, this seems very simple, but is actually very difficult when we try to practice it in reality. We can be mindful of anything. So when I'm teaching mindfulness to my patients, I typically start with the easiest things to notice, which are concrete objects around. So let's do a mini practice real quick. Just as you're listening to this right now, take a moment to just notice as many red objects as you can around you. Even if you do this just for a couple of seconds, you can put me on pause if you need to, if you really need to focus, but just notice as many red objects as you can see. And again, we're gonna practice noticing without judgment. It's really challenging to notice objects without the thought, oh, that's pretty, or, oh, I love that, or I remember where I got that. We're really practicing the skill of just noticing. So when I do this little exercise with my patients, what many people will say who are new to this was something to the effect of, uh, I was able to do that for just a few seconds, but then my mind started to wander to something else. Um, Sometimes people will say, I started thinking about what that red object means to me and then I forgot what I was doing. Uh, Sometimes people will say, some of our anxious or competitive people will say, oh, I noticed that I was counting as many red objects as I could find and I was sort of challenging myself a little bit to find as many as I could. Our mind does all sorts of things when we very first learn how to practice mindfulness. But the goal in this initial exercise is just to be aware without searching. And when you think about it, searching has a sort of energy associated with it. Mindfulness is really not searching, it's just noticing. We're noticing without searching or grasping, but we're just letting our minds become aware. One of the other very common pushbacks that I get when initially starting to practice mindfulness exercises is that people will have a bit of a resistance to it and say things like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. Why is she making me do this? How is noticing the red Kleenex box in my room gonna help me with my life? It seems very disconnected to how this can actually be helpful for you. And if you had that thought, totally okay. I get it. I just ask if you could hang with me for just a little bit longer. I promise it is going to make sense. 
The reason I start with objects is because this is what our brains are used to. When you think about it, our brains are used to perceiving objects and things around us. And I like to start here because it's a little bit easier to practice this than, say, observing your breath or observing your body sensations, observing your feelings, or even observing your thoughts. All of those things are part of a mindfulness practice, but when you're beginning, it is helpful to be able to focus on things that are concrete versus our thoughts, our feelings. Those tend to be a little bit more vague and really a little bit more hidden to us. So if you're new to practicing mindfulness, I would encourage you to really start first with the concrete objects and then over time, see if you can move up to more abstract concepts like your thoughts and your feelings. A few more key points that I wanna make about mindfulness. Learning to be more mindful is a skill, just like any other skill that you have learned in your lifetime, like learning how to ride a bike or drive a car, it takes time. So it's very important that you start out in very small increments or else you're very likely to get frustrated and bored and you're just more likely to give up. I suggest very small increments of just a few minutes or even a few seconds at a time when you are a beginner. Another key point to expect is that your mind is going to wander. This is what minds do. The analogy that I love to give is to think of your mind just like it were a puppy. If you have ever had a puppy, and I've had plenty of puppies in my day, if you've ever had a puppy and you've tried to train them to sit, you know that puppies need patience and they need to be shown how to sit repeatedly. Very few puppies, or at least the ones that I've had, quickly get it immediately and you'll never have to train them again. When training a puppy to sit, you might or put their push their butt down and say sit and they might stay there for about three seconds but before you know it they're up and they're wandering and they're wanting to play and do something else so what do we do we gently scoop up the puppy we put it back down we push down their butt gently and say sit we don't get mad at the puppy we don't scold the puppy this is just we know what puppies do and we also really don't try to have, hopefully, hour-long training sessions with our puppies. We know that puppies, uh, when they're puppies, can really only do a few minutes a day, but over time, with consistency, the puppy is going to learn how to sit. Our brain is just like this. When your mind starts to wander, that is inevitable. That's what it is supposed to do. So we don't wanna get mad at ourselves. I think this is one of the biggest challenges that my more perfectionistic or driven patients experience. If you are 
prone to perfectionism. You want to get it. You want to get it right. You want to be mindful and you feel as if somehow you're failing when your mind wanders. So I want to say from the beginning, it's not failing. This is just what minds do. And part of the process is really noticing that your mind has wandered and then bringing it back to the task. That in and of itself is mindfulness. You noticed that your mind was wandering. That key of not judging ourselves, not getting mad at ourselves, just knowing this is what minds do and bringing it back to whatever you are practicing your mindfulness with. Anyone can do mindfulness. Anyone. Oftentimes I'll have folks that say, oh, I have severe ADHD. I can't do mindfulness. Anyone, no matter how severe your ADHD is, you can practice mindfulness and learn how to be just a little more mindful if you give it enough space, enough practice, and enough time. We also can fit mindfulness into any day, no matter how hectic it is. I would say that's probably another pushback that I get is I don't have time for that. I'm very busy. I'm running from thing to thing. I get that. And even if you have 15 seconds at lunch, you can practice mindfulness. As you're pulling out your lunch, just notice it. Notice the smells, notice the colors, notice the textures of your food. You can notice how your body reacts as you are looking at and smelling your lunch. You can notice your body sensations as you're eating your lunch, as your stomach is getting more and more full. All of that is practicing mindfulness. The opposite of mindfulness is what many of us do, myself included, is scarfing down our lunch really fast so we can get to the next task or scrolling through Instagram or TikTok while we're eating. And then when you notice that when you've done something like that, when you're being unmindful, all of a sudden you look down and your lunch is gone and you can barely even remember eating it. We actually have a lot of research that shows that engaging in a mindful eating training program can reduce binge eating, uh, it can reduce just overall stress or emotional eating, and help people feel more in charge of their eating behavior. So I'm going to push back to anyone who says they don't have time for it. If you have 15 seconds, which everyone does, you can practice mindfulness. Bringing this all back to our inner healing intelligence. Our inner wisdom, especially in the beginning, can be deeply hidden from us. And how our inner wisdom communicates or speaks to us can vary. Sometimes people will share that they notice their inner wisdom speaking to them with actual words like rest or eat or... Um, go home, you know, very brief one or two sentence words that guide them about what their bodies need. Other times people will say, I don't see words, but I might see images or memories. And other people will say, my inner wisdom comes to me in a feeling. I can't articulate it what it is, but it's just this feeling that I know something to be true. So regardless, how your inner healing intelligence or your inner wisdom speaks to you, especially in the beginning, it's going to be very 
quiet. So learning how to just sit with and be present and be mindful of our inner space is necessary in order to really hear the quiet messages from our inner healing intelligence. If we are constantly on the move, if we're rushing from thing to thing, never pausing to reflect and listen within, we are never going to be able to hear that inner wisdom. Another piece is the, again, most challenging part of mindfulness is learning to practice to observe without judgment. It is going to make it much more difficult to hear our inner wisdom when our inner dialogue is filled with judging messages like, I shouldn't be thinking this way, or I shouldn't be feeling this way. Our inner wisdom is not going to want to speak very loudly to us if it is expecting some sort of shame response. Learning to notice what is, what is present, without the judgments or the shoulds or shouldn'ts about it is really essential because it's giving your inner wisdom that permission to speak louder and clearer to you. And in future episodes, I'll be sharing more how we often create what we'll call these self-invalidating inner dialogues and how we can change that with more self-compassion. For now, I would encourage you to practice just noticing without judgment in little tiny ways this week. See if you can take just a couple of minutes, maybe even 30 seconds each day to practice noticing something without judgment. And if you'd like a list of mindfulness activities you can try, you can go to my website at laurielittle.com and under the free resources and the DBT section, I have a downloadable worksheet that just gives you ideas about different ways that you can practice mindfulness. The benefits of creating a daily mindfulness practice or even just being more mindful in general are numerous. I can't even list them all here. Think of it as if learning how to be more mindful is like having the remote control to the mind television that you have that has a thousand stations. So without mindfulness, and when we're being mindless, our mind, like a TV, can go to the bad childhood memory channel or the last time someone said something that hurt my feelings channel. And mindfulness is really learning how to pick up that remote and saying, hey, I don't really want to be on the bad childhood experience channel right now. I would much rather be on the gratitude channel, or I would rather be on the um, thinking how proud of my kids I am channel. These are much more positive and happy channels. But without the remote, the, the TV is just going from channel to channel without us being in charge. Mindfulness is really learning how to direct and be more in charge of our minds. So when you think about that, if you had more ability to control and direct and focus your mind the way you want to, the way your inner healing intelligence is guiding you to, 
think about how much more joy and meaning and purpose you can intentionally create in your life. But we got to start somewhere. We got to start small. So if this is new for you, give it a try. Let me know how it goes. You can reach me at laurielittle.com. And as always, I am so grateful for you joining me today. And I look forward to being with you on our next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more, you can reach me at laurielittle.com where I share additional free resources and lots of information. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could write a review and share it with a friend. See you in the next episode.